The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. In the past two years, I think we have forgotten how to do friendship, how to be neighbors, how to get along, and dare I say it, even how to be part of the church. Now, this isn't like me pointing fingers, all right? You guys know me and my approach. It's not like I'm up here like preaching at you. It's more like a confession together. And I think we both, you know, like honestly, right? Like we've kind of forgot how to be friends and how to get along. And so what we did was we replaced uh, authentic relationship with scrolling and engaging in conversation with viewing. And it's tough, right? Because like this is personal. Like I know one of my like, uh, I don't know, like what, something I would have never thought of before if I had gone to a store and I had heard somebody cough, I wouldn't have thought much of it. And now you hear somebody cough and you're like, you're a disease. You know, like get away, you know, like. And then if you're the one, right? Like if you feel it coming, it's just a dry cough. Like it's not like a disease, you know, but you're like, <gasps> they're gonna start screaming leper at me. And like, so you're like, I don't know if you're like me, like I'll go down like some aisle where like nobody is, and I'll be like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And then you're like checking, like you're doing something, like you're ready to rob the store, you know? You're like looking around like, are they gonna catch me? And you feel like the people with the cameras watching, the security, they're like, view, like they're zooming in on you, like there he is, he's the one that coughed, you know? And like in this season, suddenly things like masks and vaccines became political triggers that divide us. We. We're not good at getting along and doing life together. And so what, what do we do? I mean, you have an entire generation now, at least an age group that, no, I, they didn't forget. They never even learned. They, they never learned how to get along. They never learned how to share toys. <laughs> they never learned how to work through conflict. And this creates a crisis, not because I say it creates a crisis. We are still in, meaning in the, in the midst of the pandemic, it became glaringly obvious that there was a growing mental health crisis. But what, many of, what you may not realize is that hasn't subsided. In fact, it's growing because the pandemic brought about an exacerbated relationship dysfunctions, and then stirred all kinds of, not new mental health crises, but it, it, it pressed things that maybe weren't there, and it, it brought it out. And so now we've got a, we got a generation, and we've got a nation of people suffering. And one of the key things that is part of that suffering is isolation and loneliness. People feel disconnected. In fact, statistically speaking, you feel disconnected, alone. You feel like you don't know where you belong or how to get along. And I know, I know this for certain, that that's not the way God intended it to be. And so I wanna bring you to uh, the early church, Jesus in his teachings, and it, you know, it's recorded, it's included in the Bible uh, by eyewitnesses of Jesus' life and teachings. I'm gonna read a few passages from the Gospel of John. John is one of the close friends and followers of Jesus who later in life, he sat down and wrote out a historical account of the life of Jesus from his own eyewitness experience. 
And part of his reason for writing was he was writing to a second generation of Christians. These are people who like, you know, their parents believed in Jesus, the previous generation believed in Jesus, and now they're kind of hearing about it, but beginning to question it. And, and so John, this, he, at this point, he's an old man, and I mean old, old, like, um, well, I don't want to put an age on it, because some of you would be like, wait, what? <laughs> um, I mean, he, he was putting, pushing close to 90 at this point when he wrote this, okay? So that makes you feel any better. Um, but he's writing going, no, 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 here's the thing. I was there. I remember what it was like to hang out with Jesus, to spend time together with Jesus and the other 11 closest followers called disciples of Jesus. I mean, there was real authentic community. And, and he records this moment where Jesus is speaking and, and he says this, a, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's interesting here, if you think about all the different ways that people would know whether we're Christians. Maybe by the cool Christian t-shirt you wear or by how you vote or by the, maybe the way you speak or what you post and Jesus said, the thing that will stand out the most to everyone around you is this, that you love one another. And if you jump ahead in just a few verses, John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus now says, like, tag, you're it. I love you. I want you to love each other. But that's a little bit like, you know, for Laura and I in our home, we're like, guys, get along. Like, you're with the boys, and I'm like, boys, you need to get along. All right, and so long as I'm there to ref it, they get along, right? But the, I mean, you know how it is. If you got little ones, I mean, you walk around the corner and bam, one of them just tackled the other one. I mean, th this is an ongoing challenge in my home. Like one of them yelling, mommy, he just punched me in the head. Mommy, he just tackled me. Mommy, you know, like, you're like, seriously. We, I know, we need therapy. But here's the deal, right? Like, so long as I'm there, or mommy's there, they get along, and even then, you know, it's hurting cats. But the moment you leave, you're like, uh-oh, here we go, like it's chaos, right? But so Jesus said, I know that that's how it's gonna play out. Like, I love you, I expect you to love each other. And he's like, but I'm leaving, and I'm, and I'm concerned about how it's gonna happen when I leave, right? Like, especially if there's like a whole bunch of you. And, and so he goes like this, very truly, I tell you, this is John chapter 14, verse 12. Uh, Whoever believes in me will do the works I am, I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And you go like, wait, what? Like, you guys are gonna get along even better when I leave. You, and that's as Jesus was saying, you see everything I've been doing? including the way I love you, it's not that you're gonna love better than me. It's that you're gonna take the love I have and you're gonna multiply it. You're gonna be me loving others and it's gonna be greater in, quant in quantity than the way I can love. Because all of you are gonna love the way I love. Well, how is that possible? Jesus said, because when I leave, meaning when I die, when I rise again, when I ascend to heaven, I'm gonna send another who is like me, the Holy Spirit, and now he will do the things I've been doing through you. And this is what happened. If you jump ahead just a little bit, right? So now fast forward the story. Jesus ascends to heaven and you have the very beginning of the early church. That's when it starts. And we have a glimpse into this early church. It's written by Dr. Luke. Luke was a physician 
who was attracted to the church. It was like he, he heard about the church. He started hearing about people who went to church. He started hearing about, uh, he started meeting people who were part of the church. And he was like, he became really intrigued and curious. And so he went and checked it out. And when he checked it out, he was like, this is amazing. I want to be part of this. And so this physician began to investigate the life, teaching, story of Jesus from eyewitness accounts and became persuaded that Jesus is who he said he is or who he said he was, and he, he wanted to become part of the church. So Luke becomes a follower of Jesus, even though he was previously an outsider. He becomes a significant part of the church, and he begins to help the church. And in the process, he writes a two-volume set called The Gospel of Luke, or Gospel According to Luke, and The Book of Acts. And in the early uh, chapters of The Book of Acts, right after the church starts, Luke describes what it was like to be in it. Now, I, I hope you take a moment when I read this just to like let your imagination run just a little bit wild of what it would have been like to be part of that earliest church. Because here, here's what it describes. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions and gave to anyone uh, who had need everyone, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Is that what people think of when they hear of the church? Like, is that the description that they hear and they see? Is that what they imagine? I mean, is that, um, is that what attracts people? And, and I've thought about this passage many times and I've thought like, man, like, did something fall out of the pages? Over the span of 2,000 years of history, did like, did like something leak out of it? That like, yeah, we don't have to be that anymore. That's not what's expected of us. That's not who we are. I'm like, no, that's exactly who God wanted us to be. And so here's what I know. The greater things that Jesus was talking about was not in quality, but in quantity. I mean, he wanted to multiply his love in us so he could multiply his love through us. And one of the key components of God's love is that we share it in community. Jesus builds better community through you. I just want you to put that in your head. And in your heart, because I'm, I'm hoping that it kind of goes from your head to your heart, Jesus builds better community through you. Like, you're part of it. You're, you're a significant part of what God is doing in building his community. When Jesus said greater things than these, uh, greater things even than these you'll do, he, it wasn't like a generic statement. It was specific. It was talking about you. Greater things than these you'll do. But we're not good at community. In fact, you could say, you know, over the last couple of years, we kind of not only forgot how to do it, but we're not very good at it. We don't know how to get along. Why? Not, not because of a pandemic. What did the pandemic exacerbate? All of the feelings of isolation and rejection and betrayal. And man, it's easy to separate. It's easier to watch than engage. It's easier to scroll than connect. And again, this isn't me pointing fingers. This is me going like, yeah, me too. Like we struggle with this. This is difficult. This is hard. Why? Because every one of us have this instinct that, that pushes us away from meaningful connection with others, from genuinely living in community. Where does that instinct come from? Well, the reality is it comes from being disconnected from God. 
Before you were even born, there was already a, a sickness, a sabotaging selfishness in you that pushed you away from God and set you and I on a life course of living separated from God, doing what we wanted. And you know, if you ever wanted to know what's one thing that will separate relationships, make relationships not work, it's selfishness, right? Like that is probably the number one thing that will get in the way of any relationship. Well, sin separated us from relationship with God, set us on a life course, sin, selfishness, that sabotages relationship, and so we do life on our own, we do life disconnected, um, because we're disconnected from God. But God, and that was the key. When, when they're talking about what brought the church together, it was focused on Jesus, what only Jesus could do. In fact, here it is. This is Peter preaching before this description of the early church. He goes like this, therefore let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He's the one that rescues us from our sins. And so what happened? It says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 300 of, uh, I'm sorry, 3,000 of them were added to their numbers that day. I mean, suddenly the church went from a few hundred people gathering to like several thousand people in one day. What, what message did they accept? They, they accepted this message, that we were broken because of sin and separated from relationship with God, headed to a forever judgment. But God intervened by becoming one of us. God refused to spend eternity without us because he loves us and he is for us and he wants relationship with us. So he came near. He took on the penalty of our sin, our shame and our guilt, and he died in our place, taking on our eternal death sentence. So that when he died, he died once for all. So that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven. But Jesus not only died, he rose from the dead, and in his resurrection, he freed us from the grip of sin. He gave us victory over death by giving us the promise of eternal life. So when you believe in Jesus, you're not only forgiven, but you're given new and forever life. You're reconnected in relationship with God, and that's not just a now relationship, that's a forever relationship. So let me pause. Before we talk about what it's like to have real friendship or authentic community, Let's pause and say, if you have not been in authentic community with God, let's start there. Because you can't have real relationship with others if you don't have real relationship with God. Why? Because what fills, spills, right? And it, but it has to spill. So you have to have it in you before it can come out of you. So let's start with relationship with God. And so right now, if, if that's where you're at, that's what you need, that's what you want, can I encourage you that there is a God who loves you so much that he refuses to spend eternity without you. He wants you to be part of his family. And he's saying, welcome home. And if that's the commitment you're making today, if you're saying, yes, I want, to, I want that, I, I'm believing in Jesus by faith, I'm willing to accept him as my Lord and Savior, we wanna say, welcome home. Now let us know about your commitment. There's a QR code that's gonna be on the screen. Scan that, uh, go to the, Go to the, the form that we, that, that'll bring you to, fill it out and let us know. So that way one of our pastors can follow up with you and encourage you as you begin this new relationship with God. Why? Because you are not meant to be in relationship with God alone. In fact, the Christian faith was never meant to be an individualized faith. Now that's tough 
because as Americans, our instinct is to kind of like do life alone, meaning we're kind of, we're very individualistic in our thinking. But Christianity and the Christian faith was not meant to be done alone. In fact, you don't go to church or do church any more than you can go to family or do family, right? You can't go to family. You are a family, and you have to act like a family, be a family, right? And so you don't go to church, you are the church, and you don't do church, you're called to be the church. And so there's this unique challenge of like, there's a a plural way of thinking about the Christian faith, that you don't worship alone, you don't give alone, you don't serve alone, you can't you can't do Christian life alone. And so what, what does it look like to be part of this community? Well, let's jump back in and read what was written in this description of the early church. Let me read it to you again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. By the way, that breaking of bread included this idea of communion, of celebrating the meal of the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Here's the unique thing about this. It says this, they devoted themselves. It It took a commitment. Community takes commitment. Real, meaningful, substantive relationships require commitment, right? It's not, I would say this, commitment in contrast to a commodity, A commodity is something you can buy or sell. It's something you can get or have. And then when you get it, it becomes a product you consume, and then you can rate it. If if the commodity is a, a service, right, it's a meal that you get at a restaurant, then when you're finished, you can go on to Google or wherever, and you can rate it, and you're saying, you know, how was the service? How was the food? What was the quality of the food? Was it a good... Um, was it a good bang for my buck, right? Good value, right? And so you're looking at all these different ways that you wanna rate it. That, that's a commodity. Community requires commitment. You, you don't gather as the church, and then when you go, you're like, yeah, how was, and by the way, this isn't me trying to get off the hook of wanting to be rated, all right? Um, <laughs> meaning, I'm not trying to be like, don't, don't walk out and be like, I don't know, that was kind of a Poor quality, that was only like a two-star sermon, I don't know. That, but, the, but that's the point, right? Like, that's kind of our instinct, right? Our instinct is like, we're like, well, what was, how quickly did I get in and out? And what was the worship? And what, how was the preaching? No, 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 that's, that's not the way community works. Because this isn't just church, this is us being church, and it's community, and so it's not a commodity that you, of a product that you consume, it's a community that you make commitment to. And it requires commitment because it's difficult. The whole time I was preparing for this sermon, I was wondering how I was gonna make this transition to talking about the commitment of marriage. Okay, so here's the thing. My wife had to make a vow to be, commit, to, to be married to me because it was gonna be hard for her. You see that? That was pretty clever, wasn't it? <laughs> like I was gonna make marriage hard. And as a result, it requires commitment, it requires a vow because it's not easy. And if you, at some point, if you could get out, you'll get out. Like I'm talking about my wife. 
She would. Me, I'm like, I won, I hit the jackpot. I'm not going anywhere, right? But I get it, like this is hard. And at some point, when you get into the community of the church, the reason it requires commitment is because at some point, it's gonna be tough. By the way, if you're, if you're young, you're relatively newly married, do you see what I did there? <laughs> you need to learn a lesson. <laughs> you always protect your wife. You look out for her and you build her up. All right, so I figured the, the older guys, you know, if you've been married a little while here, you, you learn that lesson. You don't stay married long without learning that lesson. Okay, here we go. The point is this. Uh, here's where I'm going. Like, it requires commitment for a reason because it's difficult. What, what makes it difficult? Because at some point, you're gonna hurt each other. You're gonna offend each other. Somebody here is, and trust me, you're online, like, right? You're not off the hook, right? Like somebody can post a comment online that irritates you, like I'll just go to another church's online church, you know? Like it's just so easy to, to jump ship. And by the way, this isn't me trying to protect this. This is me saying community requires commitment. Like you gotta come in and I understand if you're new and you're kind of dating church, I get that. But at some point you, you make a commitment. You say, we're in this together. And it, and it requires that commitment because at some point you're gonna hurt each other. And I'm gonna say the wrong thing. And you're gonna do the wrong thing. Someone's gonna offend you, right? And that requires commitment because the goal is this layer of vulnerability and authenticity that is beautiful. But what makes it beautiful is the fact that we devoted, we devoted ourselves to each other to doing life together, to sharing life together, to, to celebrating communion, to praying and worshiping and hearing the word of God together. And as God works on you, we have to make a commitment to you to help you grow and vice versa. Let's keep reading. It says this, all, all the believers were together and had everything in common. I mean, they, they, they shared what they had. They sold property and possessions to give to one another to anyone who had need, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Um, I love the description of that. Like it, it says every day. It doesn't mean that every person was in someone's home every day. It meant that every day there were people gathering in homes and eating together and doing life together and, and reaching their city together. They were, they were celebrating and doing life together. Here's what it really jumps out. Being the church is the best community. It's the best community because we are committed to sharing life, worshiping, focusing on God, growing in our faith, giving together, loving together, growing together, hurting together, together, suffering, together. There's something powerful and beautiful because the reason, you know, being the church is the best community is it's, it's something that the rest of the world cannot reproduce. They can't have that kind of community. They want it. You and I were designed for it, but you can't have it. You can kind of fake it, meaning you can go to a party you always wonder if you're on the inside, if you're in the inside group, do you belong? 
Being the church is unique. It's the best kind of, it's the best kind of community. Why? Here's, here's a couple reasons why the church is unique in community. Because God shows up. <laughs> it's something no one else gets to have. Like God doesn't show up at anything else, but when the church comes again, I don't just mean this. I mean when we're being the church in in a group, like we have life groups. Every time a life group gathers together, that's church. Every time you're getting together with Christian friends, that's church. And that's unique and it's powerful. Why? Because when it says where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. When God shows up, something supernatural is happening. That's right, when you are in Christian community, Something supernatural is happening. It's the best kind of community. So not only is God present, but God is at work. I mean, God is doing what only God can do. He's filling and spilling. He's pouring love in and he's pouring love through. He's healing hurts. He's restoring broken hearts. He's using you to do something miraculous in someone else's life. He's using someone else to do something miraculous in your life. So not only does God show up and God do what only God can do, but... The love in us spills out of us, and so we become part of supernatural community. You're changed through the process. And, And as a result, the reason why being the church is the best community is it's not just a party. It can be a party, but it's also like counseling, right? There's moments when it's uncomfortable and you get into your own mess and so there's something unique. It's, it's vulnerable and authentic and accountable. And what I have found is that most of the time, the moment we start, it starts poking against that area of accountability, which is holding you committed to doing what you said you were gonna do or being faithful to the ways of God, that's when Christian community gets hard and people wanna bolt. Like, yeah, I don't really think that you have the right to tell me what I said I was gonna do, I need to do. Or I don't think you have the right to get into my business. Well, that's exactly what community is supposed to be and do. And so it makes it really powerful. Here's what I want you to catch. Circles are better than rows. Like you're, you're sitting in rows, if you're online, right? You're, you're not, but um, sitting in a, in a church experience, you're sitting in rows, but circles are better. Meaning what we also want you to experience is getting in a group getting in a family-like environment where you're sitting together, you're sharing life together, where you're looking at each other and you're talking and you're encouraging. There's something very powerful about that. And uh, for those of you online, engaging is better than watching. And that's true here too. Like, I mean, you gotta be part of it. You gotta connect to it. You gotta contribute to it. Engaging is better than watching. And and so what I wanna encourage you to do, every one of you, is take a moment right now, pull out your phone, That's right, everybody do this with me, everybody. So that anybody who doesn't feels bad. All right, we're gonna guilt you and it's, no, I'm kidding. Um, What I wanna do is we're gonna throw a QR code up on the screen and I want everybody to scan that real quick and fill out that form. I want you to find a group or at least commit to a group. Now, we also have a group fair out there, today's group launch, and so we want everybody to get connected to a group. Now, I, I just laid out for you kind of all the benefits that you gain and we gain together in being part of a group. So I want you to connect. I want you to find a group. I want you to get into a group. And by the way, if, you have, um, if you're mature in your faith and you can't find a group, then you can lead a group. 
Find out how you can get involved in leading, and we'd love to have you become part of that. I want you to make a commitment to community, recognize that being the church is the best community. Now, what happens? Here's the final piece. This is how it wraps up. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What an incredible statement. Being the church is the hope of the world. As people receive the good news of God's love and they share that good news of God's love, as they live out what it looks like to love each other, it brings hope to a broken, disconnected world. And boy, our world desperately needs this, don't we? Like, there's a generation that needs to learn how to get along. Now, you can actually live in community. You can have real friends. You don't just have to look at them through a screen. Like, you can have real friends. You, you can have authentic relationship. You can, you can have real commitment. This is the hope of the world. Why? Because we receive from God his hope. The hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ, who loved us so much that he gave his life for us. But what fills, spills, and so we we carry that hope to a lost and broken world. And when people experience the messiness of community, the authenticity of community, the vulnerability of community, they're attracted to it just like Luke was. Dr. Luke was attracted to this because he saw love at work, community lived out. And then in that, he encountered Jesus. I want your life to be a light in how you love each other so well that it attracts your neighbors and friends, your coworkers, your classmates, your colleagues to want to be part. And so I want to do is just take a moment. I'm going to pray over you. Now, I want to encourage you. This is difficult. I get it. Your instinct will be to push away. Because don't forget, this isn't just a natural moment where you're wrestling with your thoughts and your emotions and your past. This is also a supernatural moment where there's an enemy at work to keep you isolated and alone. And if you've ever watched the Discovery Channel, you know the animals are most vulnerable when they're off by themselves. And if you're designed to live in a herd and you're alone, you're gonna get eaten. You and I, we're designed to live in community. When you're alone, you're vulnerable to the attack of the enemy more than ever at any other point in your life. So I'm gonna just pray over you that God stirs your heart and protects you spiritually so that you get connected into real community. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you are for us, not against us. And God, that you have, you gave your life to give us life because you refused to spend eternity without us. And so Lord, we, we not only welcome you in this place and online, but God, we also say, help us to be the kind of Jesus followers that are attractive to others. Help us to live life together in such a way that we show off your love. God, I pray that every one of us can experience the beauty, the wonder, the power of real authentic Christian community, what it means to be the church. So help us to make that one, that one commitment in our life. What's that one step we can take to be in real community with other Jesus followers? Help us to make that commitment right now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.